0: Welcome to the Living Intentionally Podcast. My name is Chaim Loeb. In this podcast, you will hear and learn what breeds action, where living intentionally leads to action. You will acquire knowledge from those who are in the state of action. Yes, I said action a few times. Why? Because this is the only way to get you from where you are to where you want to be. My guest today's name is Michael Newman. Michael has an organization which inspires and empowers the next generation and adults called Jewish Inspiration Foundation. He's an elite sparring athlete, has a podcast on com called Jews in Sports, and much more. Enjoy this episode. So you spoke, um, you ran into speaking about the five weeks before um, um, you uh, had the competition, the race, and something that I wanted to ask you about was you know your biggest challenges, the most intense challenges, struggles that you went through in terms of training for something like that, training for a race, training for a challenge, um, during that like specific time. Because I know that when someone is training for something like that, an athletes training for something like let's say a boxer training for a fighter, right. so Right. someone's training for a race, uh, competition, it's intense those times.
1: Yeah. So so the so the backstory of of the. I, I want to call it high motivational time in my life. Uh, Cause that was the only way I was going to get through that, you know, through any challenge, you really have to be motivated. So um, that's one of the things uh, I was homeschooled. So that's one of the things that was implemented that my parents made sure is how we can self motivate each other. But the backstory to that is basically I had wanted to be on TV to show my yarmulke. And so I had, I had, you know, that was one of the goals it stems from, we could talk about it later, but sends from a Holocaust survivor saying, make a kiddish Hashem, fine. And so uh, I got asked, so so I applied it like three years in a row to American Ninja. Very hard to get on there without without a, a good story, mm-hmm. as, as we know. <laughs> and uh, and then I had applied to the Titan games, and then finally I just said, You want to know something? This isn't the area where Hashem wanted me to go. Um, you know, where God wanted me to go. So I decided that I would uh, focus in Spartan racing, which is so funny because that as actually where the producers found me uh, in, you know, I guess I had, I had, uh, had consistent performances in fourth place. So they saw that Then they saw my yarmulke. They went through the rankings and stuff. And so they saw me and called me. So once I got the call, it was obviously go time. this is the once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. You will be surprised, however, that go time is not very motivating. I had three or four days after the call where I'm just like, probably not getting on the show, who knows, you know, all these things. You know, you make up these excuses, you put the self-doubt, and you put the first obstacle uh, in front of you, which is always yourself. It's usually never the opportunity, it's yourself. So, uh, and then I actually basically broke through the start for me, long way to answer your question, but I'm just trying to get to the beginning of it. But basically the important part of the whole five weeks where you would think it's me training and moving was really the decision. I think a lot of people in life miss the concept that it's the decision. It's the beginning. It's what are you willing to put in? And then everything else is easy because you've already committed. So it was that moment where I realized that You know, my friend, I had a Spartan chat, you know, they were pushing me, but they weren't pushing me at that moment in my time. They were busy with other things. And I said, I'm using this as an excuse. I said, why aren't they pushing me? It's been four days. They should be pushing me. I should, you know, this is the biggest opportunity. And just in that little moment in life, I realized, you know, they have nothing to do with your goals. Yes, you need your team to pick you up, but you are the one who has to make the decision. Do you want it? And so from that moment, when I said, do I want it? I have to be the one to push myself is where I was able and kind of came easy to be in the five weeks of training, which I describe as hell training, when you think about it at the end. So can I give you short exam- to give you a short uh, uh, introduction to it, it was five weeks of um, about four to five hours of training every day. Uh, I, I, I don't technically believe in rest days. I believe in rest periods, whatever. We can get into that if you want. But basically five days every day, five 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 weeks every day, four to five hours of training every day, uh, ice baths every single night. I ate to a tea, tried to eat everything that would bring down my inflammation as fast as I can. Uh, I implemented a diet that was extremely strict. I would stretch before and after, you know, uh, mis- you know, I didn't have massages, but stretches constantly throughout the whole day. And so I just, Wake up five five thirty a.m. six a.m. to seven thirty training, which was usually sprints or running. Then I would go shachris work minchamar, back into the gym, which would usually be anywhere from heart rate elevation to strength training to anything I felt was important. And so, however long I would go from that, and it was just brutal, more mentally also than physically. But I'll be honest and say physically it sucked. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yes. Why do you feel like you had such a strong drive? Like, was it like, tell me a little about that. Like you said, there's a backstory that started this drive right. this, um, to, show the yam, to show the, to show the, to show the, the, the kid is a I mean, right. a lot of people hear these things. A lot of people probably have experienced something similar to you. If not, I don't know. Cause you're going to tell me about that story, but yeah. somehow it impacted you apparently very differently.
1: It, it's something about something greater than yourself. We all have this. We all don't um, uh, uh, appreciate it or make it the core front of our, of our conscious. We kind of keep it in subconscious. So Judaism, for example, the construct of it, or for any religion really, is to create meaning, is to create something greater than yourself. But you lose it in a sense that you know you just kind of becomes a daily grind, the daily thing. Shachz nachmar. You don't realize that spiritually you're impacting the day during shachas eh, You know, whatever, but you're doing something greater than yourself. You believe in a greater energy that's going up to Hashem, that's impacting the world. But you lose that sense. You lose, It goes back into just the... Um, it becomes mundane. So obviously in that moment to realize that, you know, not... I think it was more of the fact that I had seen, I was very inspired by other athletes that went on or other people that went on you know, with their yarmulke, but realized that Jews have not had anyone win on a big stage like this. And when I realized that this is literally min shem, from Minshamayim, min from Hashem, in a sense that it was Spartan race themed, Spartan race athletes, uh, the whole, it, it's what I was doing. It's in my wheelhouse, what I've been training for for three years and realizing that I actually have a very good chance of winning the entire thing um, was obviously a motivator realizing that there's, it doesn't logically make sense that a show would just appear right now. You know, it, it didn't make sense. So obviously when I believe logic doesn't make sense, if you run it through a simulator and it would come out, you know, nine out of 10 times or, you know, nine, you know, and then the one time it happens is, is Hashem being involved. So when I realized that, became quite easy to motivate yourself because this is it. You have one opportunity to get the Jews on the board <laughs> and to show the Jewish community in a very gritty, nasty type of sport that Jews are actually strong and can take down by one-on-one with an elite athlete.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely powerful. So you have this like inner like motivation to, to put Jews on a, on the map on a pedestal show them that they could be gritty like what is it exactly I'll, like what's the mission you are on I mean with this I want right. I know there's a larger probably mission um and I want to ask you that but like specifically with this I just kind of like want to understand it a little bit more because training that hard um wanting to do things that people are not willing to do um yeah. I actually told uh, my yeah. mom this morning and something I was thinking about I went on a walk this morning it was raining I wanted to get out I wanted to get out early in the morning Sunday morning right I realize like, I like doing things that most people just like don't really want to do or don't do. And right. there's other examples in, in my life as well. But like this is, you know, to another level with you. And I'm just trying to, I, I want to learn from it. I want to understand it a little bit more. I want it.
1: Well, I appreciate it. We all have to learn from everyone. So <laughs> yes. I learned it from someone else. And so we all have to, we're all in it together. But um, yeah, so, so what, what we're talking about is, just to uh, to understand your question more, P- things that con- don't, you know, people look at something and they say, oh, that's really hard to do. So they automatically go, oh, it must come easy to that person. And I really don't believe that's true at all. You know, people look at you, know, me in the gym and they go, oh, you know, they see me as a runner, right? And they go, oh, he's fantastic runner, obviously, because he's a Spartan. I hate running. It's the most painful thing for me. It's not enjoyable. It doesn't come easy to me. It doesn't come naturally to me. And that's the point that I love um, about the human condition is that you have to be able to not only to be uncomfortable, but to do things that aren't natural to you. Obviously, to make them look natural, fine. But the point is, is to put yourself into a position where you're comfortable with being uncomfortable. And it's a very uncomfortable thing for people to do psychologically. I can get into it if you're interested, but the the concept and then simply is also, we really only grow when we are uncomfortable. So yeah. So someone so I have someone asked me, you know, why do you put yourself obviously, you know, I try not to be like this person, you know, I, I try to say I'm a human being. I, I have faults. I'm, you know, the, 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 excitement to me is that it doesn't come easy in these things and that I can actually be comfortable, live while it's not coming easy. So uh, someone asked me, you know, why do you, why do you do it? The sports? I really wanted to get out of this. <laughs> I wanted to stop Spartan racing uh, right before the show. And I was thinking about kind of like retiring, whatever that means. Um, and then the show hit and then I continued and I put my body in immense pain. So I mean, I, I, my body, I, I do not enjoy the fact that my body is constantly feeling like an eight year old,
0: <laughs> for Except example, how
1: feeling. I have arthritis in my neck, muscle damage in my shoulders, uh, two, uh, uh, calf injuries, a left knee, uh, joint hip injury. And I actually, uh, um, I tore uh, my ankle or whatever, not tore I, I, you know, third degree sprain, but Oh, I tore a ligament in my ankle. Right. So the guy asked me, why are you doing it? And the simple point is that, you know, it's a part of my mission and it's, and it's my way of meaning of life. So it's really to show people in themselves that here is something that I didn't perceive as possible. I didn't know that Orthodox people could do that. People tell me that all the time. You instill in a yeshiva kid that this, you know, I don't say to yeshiva kids, go, go become an athlete. I say, go take your passion of Hashem. First, make that first as your identity and then go impact the world. That's my message. So my greater mission in life is to make impact and meaning to make meaning in the world, which is to impact others. And the best way to impact others right now is usually through kindness, love that creates meaning in your life. Uh, one of those goals is um, to help that, and what I would like to work on as a human being is to love more, to have more loving relationships, whatever that means for myself, uh, and that could be through connecting with people, trying to to help people or assist people as much as I can. But yes, that's that that is why I do it because right now, Claude Eustreau really in the first time in history has a platform to inspire each other and unify each other. And so my message right now, I guess the greater goal in why I break my body is not literally, but <laughs> in how I feel is the concept that I have a different understanding or mission in my life, which is to impact people from a positive to tell people that not that you can do it and this and that, to start the journey to yourself. Start creating a self, an identity. Start understanding who you are from a positive perspective. Stop getting down on yourself. Stop the, the narrative of the negative thoughts and start putting together a personality that you're proud of. Not that you're told, not that you're manipulated through. You know, there's faults in every system. You start, you know, Judaism, I say, is not a religion where we create robots. We miss that boat a lot of times. It's to connect with Hashem on your relationship. Obviously there's red lines in anything. You know, I don't say go, <laughs> you know, whatever, but that's that's the the answer is that yeah. my, my mission is is to take sports and as an avenue for people to realize that they have to decide on what they want their life to be.
0: Yeah, I think it's something that something that I learned and I'm connecting to what you're saying is like, in a way, like start saying, start telling yourself either your own story or a new story, Some, you know, because we a lot of the times we revert to that negative story, that old story, that again and again. It's something I learned from uh, Tony Robbins um, is, there you, go. you know, I'm yeah. telling yourself, you know, that, that, that new story. Um, that can be extremely powerful,
1: right? Start seeing yourself different in the greater the greater mission and goal. Uh, yeah. I, I have a story with uh, my rebbe when I was on the show, and everyone asks me all the time; it's hysterical. How do you keep your yarmulke on? <laughs> not, not, not like I have, I have these clips. I got, too. I got them I We probably have the same brand.
0: <laughs> I have a keep on keep,
1: keep whatever. Keep keep yeah. Up.
0: Uh, I think. Yeah, yeah I have like. Keep
1: it on. Keep it on. I have keep keeper. Yeah. So you know. Right. So, so we'll both get free yarmulkes, and they'll sponsor us.
0: <laughs> Amen.
1: <laughs> um, no, <that's> show. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. No. So I. So so everyone asks me that question, and so I call. You know, I it. it so I had those two in. I had four bobby pins. The joke is that I, you know, I was sitting in the lockdown room for ten hours, and my friends and and my, you, know, we all compete with. Said, "How are you gonna? What happens when you?" They're like, "What happens when you reach the water obstacle? Is your yarmulke pin stay on?" And I was like, "That's a really good point." And so I went back to get more. So I had eight bobby pins and two kits <laughs> and it, it wasn't coming out. Right. Uh, but the the reasoning of why I was so stark with that is the fact that um, I had lost the Spartan race because my yarmulke fell off and I went back for it. So I called my Rebbe and I said, Rebbe, what do I do if my yarmulke falls off? And quite miraculously without telling me yes or no, which is sometimes what being like to do. He said, um, he said, let's think it through, you know, this is a different situation, biggest stage, you know, on TV right now that you'll be in. And so he said to me, what are your, he said, he said tell me, tell me, you know, my name's Mike, yeah, tell me, Michael, what's, what's your goal? He said, is it to go on TV and show everyone else that you're better than everyone else? Is it to make money, you can make serious money? Or is it to make a Kiddush Hashem? And I said, right away, Rabbi, Kiddush Hashem, that's, that's the goal. You know, and and by the way, mind you, there are that say yarmulke falls off in basketball, you can go back and get it, you know, what you there's, there's obviously different levels. And so it's not against halacha to continue on in the race. Some people would say whatever, but basically they're there. And it's not such an easy, easy answer than just to pick it up. Everyone's like, Oh no, of course you pick it up. Not really. You know, this is the biggest stage. You know, if I, you know, give up that, maybe I don't have an opportunity to win and impact others. There's more variables. So he said to me, so he said to me, fantastic. He said, wonderful. So he said, what does the Yamaka mean to you? And I said, that's an interesting thing that you say that, Rebbe, because I just read recently that your cell phones, right, they did a study that when it's in your pocket or in your hand, you're technically not thinking about the thing. Your, your subconscious, your mind is technically firing on the emotions and thinking about the phone because your phone has, you know, uh, your family, friends, what you have to do, all the anxieties, it's filled with a connection of emotions, um, excitement, dopamine, everything is on your phone. So you're constantly thinking about your phone. So I said to him, so too, Rebbe, if the phone is constantly sending messages to my brain, so too that my yamako, which represents Hashem, my connection with, with Hashem, is constantly telling my brain that. So I would even say, Rebbe, it's my identity because, my brain is constantly telling myself that because it's on top of my head. And so he said, what? He said, more than sending the message of what message you would be sending to the world, thus the Jews, he said, more importantly, what message are you sending yourself? If the yarmulke falls on the floor and you continue on. And I said, just instinctively, I'd kind of be saying like, eh, like you, I'll sit, you'll sit there, you stay there, I'm going to go do this first, and I'll come back to you, Hashem, when I'm done ready. And so quite miraculously, he showed me the power of a simple yarmulke. Not that it's a yarmulke, that it's your identity. Judaism first. How you're going to impact the world, how you're going to be successful, is having an identity, having something greater than yourself, having meaning. And so once you have that solidified and you say, you want to know something? That's not my identity. Sports is not my identity, by the way. It becomes, for for almost every athlete, their identity because of the time and, and, and love and sweat and tears, you shake your, your not in your head because all athletes know the feeling. Uh, it was an important realization to say, and quite miraculously probably why I pulled through on the wall when I quit uh, to, to, to say that this is not who I am, just an athlete. And then thus I was more successful on the show with that mindset. So mindset think, is very important by the way, because, I was able to react because I set that mindset that that's how I'm going to react, not in the moment. You don't make the decision in the moment. You make it before, and that's what mindsets do. And thus, my Rebbe has asked me to say that in every single talk I I speak because it's an important message, especially when kids throw their uncles on the ground, which is fine, do whatever you want, what's best for you, but you're missing the boat that you just kind of threw away your whole personality, whether you want to be that or not, but know that that's what you're doing.
0: Yeah, I mean, whew, that was, that was a message. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> that was a message. Thank you so much for sharing that. That was really a message. I'm curious, when, you know, if you could share, when you decided, what was the time you decided that you're going to take on life's challenges Ooh. In, a, in a Superman type of way? Like, yeah. you, know, like uh, you know, like, when did that happen? Like, that, how that
1: Superman's perfect. I'm not. <laughs> That's right. I put in a type of way. Type of way. Um, I didn't say like
0: Superman. Yeah. Superman Type of way.
1: I, I. You know. I did not. Not to go off topic, but I did learn that that you have to be real um, with Holocaust survivors because Holocaust survivors suffer um, quite miraculously because they are known uh, uh, scientifically, statistically as like the one trauma group that never went to get treated. Uh Most most groups that you suffer trauma, who did Tutsi, whatever, all these genocides and things will usually, the majority will go seek for help. Holocaust survivors, not so. Thus, they very much suffer, Mm -hmm. continue to suffer, but suffer through their, their life because the trauma would continue to trigger throughout their life. So I learned that with my love and relationship with Holocaust survivors, with many of them, that, here they look to be the most incredible human beings on, on the planet and they suffer. So people are human. We, we do the best we can. But the point is, we, you know, for anyone to say that they're perfect is, is bogus. <laughs> for anyone to feel they're perfect is bogus.
0: Yes, 100%. I'm glad that you prefaced that. But yeah. at the same time, some people take on things at a higher level than others. That's a fact. And that's okay to realize that you might be some, someone like that. And you work for that. You work hard for that. And that's why I want people to learn from that. I want people to learn from you. You really live with intention.
1: Hey, and I try. I try. It's, it's not, it's not, a, it's, I just did the psychological thing. Um, you know, you, you go like this. It's yeah. I was like, <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not true. Um, but, it's, okay, uh,
0: it's okay to take a compliment.
1: It's okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I totally forgot what your question was, though.
0: <laughs> no, I was asking like, you know, when point in time did you decide that you're gonna take life's challenges like, you know, in a in a more Superman type
1: of way, you know, like you're really gonna take it on. Okay, so I guess we I guess we would go above average. Um yeah. and, and above average, the the mindset that I've been in is when it, it, it changed for like, just call myself above average, I didn't mean it that way. But I guess the, the point is I guess we're the journey because every day I, I struggle with it. Every day you have to, to grow it's your like every time. But you but, should yes no, yes more than more than most. But 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 the point is that it, it started changing... I'll say it like this
0: Before we hear more from our guests about that, I'd like to share a quick message. If what you're listening to is enjoyable, please give a follow, a share, a review. It'd be greatly appreciated. Thank you very much. Now back to the show.
1: Sports narrative. I always got close to the top or to breaking through. I played every sport imaginable, uh, you know, cause a lot of the leagues were on Shabbat, So I, I always went to play a sport. I got to the ceiling and I always fell short. Always, you know, five fourth place finishes in Spartan racing, always, you know, getting to the semifinals of a golf tournament and just blowing up, you know, like I was always right there and I always hit the ceiling and I could never break through the ceiling. What changed that was three things. Um, uh, um, meditation. So a concept of being aware of the moment, not to sound all voodoo-y, but, you know, get, meditation gets a bad rap, but to be conscious of the narrative that your brain discusses and tells you. Uh, your body actually releases the exact emotions when you think of a certain event. You know, the, the, the talk that I'm going to give later in the week, if I think about it, you know, my, you know, I go, oh my gosh, will I do well or not? You actually release the same emotions of nerves that you'll experience. Then when, by the way, I'm not giving the talk, I'm just sitting here. So that understanding that your brain controls, that this voice in your head, this narrative controls your life really chaotically and horribly. Um, So that's, I think what people miss the boat when they say, stay in the present moment, it's to stop your brain from overtaking you and taking you a place emotionally where you don't want to be so that was meditation uh amuna spirituality the relationship with hashem something greater than myself and then mindset racing obstacle course racing spartan racing seeing see changing the concept of seeing failure an obstacle as a failure i can't get over the 10-foot wall and stop and, and change your construct to that's not change the concept that I couldn't get over that wall as a failure as it's an opportunity to overcome. It's not a failure. It's an opportunity for the next time or whenever you will not be able to get over the wall. If you don't get to go at that wall. So don't see it as a failure, go after it. And that's a big key. So all three of those things came together to create this mindset where then I was able to on the show where, you know, with no three, you know, three sleeps of no three days of no sleep constant chaos, you know, all this craziness racing, um, 1am, 4am my time versus the top speed obstacle course racer. I had no business beating him. I was the only one who beat him, uh, you know, on the show and, you know, I have to give it credit to when I was on the wall, I had a moment where I wanted to quit go back to the same pattern, and just those three things kicked in. I took a deep breath. I mean, thankfully, the crowd started changing my name, so it was able to zone me back in. But I took a deep breath. You know, I started having a conversation with Hashem, and I actually sang a song in my head about overcoming, which uh, which brought me to that. This is not a failure if you don't, but remember all the things that you did. And then, obviously, the conversation with the Holocaust survivor, or at the talk, but, but the point is that is what set me over. And that is what continues to set me over in these things. My podcast on H that, you know, most of the time I would just say, no, it's too big. Can't do it to the all this self doubt, these crazy things. And so it's just, it's the next level to where you have to start trusting yourself. And, but, but with those three things, staying present, stop, Screwing yourself before, <laughs> stop screwing yourself before in the foot before you start the race. Take a deep breath. Be in the moment. Realize that Hashem wants you here, that there's a greater purpose, even if you're not really enjoying that moment, which kind of then makes it enjoyable, which is a weird way to say it. I say that, by the way, with cold showers. I'm actually reading a guy's book, Olin Hoff. I actually finished it. Uh, I, I, I was doing this before, but I would turn the hot shower on, then cold shower, hot shower, go into a cold bath to control when your anxiety, your heart rate goes up to control, staying calm when everything is freaking out. So take the deep breath, realize something's greater than yourself, and then rely on the mindset that, um, that you set before those moments. And what I mean by that is for mamba, mamba mentality. People talk about mamba mentality. They have no idea what they're talking about. Mamba mentality is not Kobe making the decision to shoot the ball this way because he doesn't have time to think when I was on the, when I was in the race to exit to try to win, instead of get more money, I gave up 25,000. That was a one to two second decision that did not come in that moment. It came, I I said, I've said to my dad, I don't understand how I made that decision. It came from the conversations with my rebbe, realizing what my goal is. You know, realizing money's not the concept. Not, It's not about, you know, beating the guy. It's about kiddush Hashem. It's about winning people. Jews need to see someone win in a yarmulke. And so that was just already preset. So those three things um, for the goals that I want are very important, or not that I want, or that I believe I, I need to go after. And I fail constantly in all in also. By the way, I'm, I'm not perfect at all. I was like, yeah, I think it's
0: important to, to what, what you're saying. at the, at the last thing, I want to go back to something also, yeah. is like, basically, you can prepare, you can put work in. And not every time is it going to you know work out perfectly. Not every time are you going to pull through. Not every time are going to be successful. You will fail. And that's all right. Failure is feedback. And then you could, you know,
1: go forward Correct. from there. Um, you're not, you. yeah, by the way, just quickly, you're not going to grow, by the way. If you don't put yourself in horrible situations, we are so comfortable, you know, in our, in our, in our minds, we put ourselves, we're creatures of habits biologically, right? We back in the stone age, you know, if you talk that way, right, safety is doing simple things, not putting yourself out there because we're so traumatized, whatnot. So you have to put yourself in positions where you become uncomfortable so you can grow, an example of that, I'll try to tell it shortly, is when I ran a Spartan race blindfolded. And that taught me so much. By the way, I did it because I went to Camp Simcha Special, helped a kid who was blind, and so he, I, I needed to feel what he was feeling, so I blindfolded myself. To give you a concept, 48 minutes competing, non-blindfolded, uh, four and a half hours blindfolded. What it taught me was very something very interesting, something very, very interesting, the first half mile, so you know, nothing was going to happen to me. There were no obstacles, and I knew that. I raced it. I saw the path. No branches, no nothing. I was in pure terror. I was terrified, anxiety, freaking out, thinking that this is over. I need to take it off right now. I, I, was, I was distraught, and it taught me something very something interesting. If we can't see what is in front of us, I knew I was safe. But if I can't see it and I can't feel it, we freak out. Mushle, by the way, to the fact that Hashem is the one who's our guide. But the point is, when you lose concept of your, uh, you lose uh, two and a half hours in, I lost um, the ability to think. think. I felt like I was in a dream. I lost the spatial awareness. I lost um, the ability, my thoughts, time, when you lose that, you become very, you know, it, we're, we're so, so scared. We have to be in control. When I was racing, not seeing what was in front of me, I wasn't in control, even though I knew I was safe. But I was so terrified and scared that I was in danger because I wasn't in control. And so the point is we need to take ourselves out of this comfy feel that we need to be in control. And I, and I will raise my hand and say there are times where I don't put myself. You know, there are times where um, – I don't push myself, you know, at night, sometimes I don't want to take a cold shower. I want to take a hot shower, you know, Um, I'm not saying always push yourself, but I'm saying definitely in those moments, um, you know, at least give yourself the chance to push yourself. Don't, don't shut the door so quickly.
0: I love the fact of like, give yourself that chance, set yourself up, at least set yourself up for success.
1: That's all you can do. People, people, people mess themselves up. And they say, oh, I didn't do it. Oh, I didn't it. If you have the opportunity, Babe Ruth has a wonderful line. Every uh, strike brings me cl- closer to my home run. His point is, if you think about that concept, is if you're so scared of the failures, if you're so scared of the strikes, you're never going to swing the bat for the home run. And then add to it, most of the time, you never even get the opportunity to swing the bat. And when you get the opportunity to swing the bat and you stand at the plate and you're so petrified of the strike, you don't give yourself the opportunity to swing the bat. So when you have the opportunity give yourself the opportunity to swing the bat, I have done that in many areas of my life where I'm just, I realize that I'm just too scared to swing the bat to take the risk. And mainly that's because I did not, in that particular scenario, know who I am. It all comes from who you are. It all comes from the journey of creating an identity that you're happy with. I see that with my clients. I see that with teenagers. It's I, I really put it down to for teenagers, it's an identity crisis that most of us continue to this day. If I asked you right now, who are you? I know people do this stuff or whatever. Who are you? Oh, oh, oh I'm I'm so-and-so. No, no, who are you? Just I'll keep asking that. Who are you? You know? It, it will scare you right now. You'll probably be like, oh, who am I? All these questions will come up. And so that is the essence. And, we're, and you get, start getting a little nervous, by the way, a lot of people when you start asking, who are you? And oh, says, you're completely
0: right. Completely you know, right.
1: It's the uh, goodwill hunting, you know, line. <laughs> <No, 'cause>
0: you <laughs> asked, let's It's for me, you asked like, who are you, right? Like something also that, that like, you're not sure which. A lot of times, you're not sure which route to take. Like, what does it actually mean? Who am I? Am I like, oh, I'm a nice guy, or am I? Am I what I do for work, or am I? Oh, I'm a good father. Like, what does it mean? Who am I? Like, also, where I'm does probably going to go
1: down to the essence of like, what's my like, character traits? Like, where right. I- but also where it comes from. Who are you in a sense of what are the decisions you're making? Right, we are highly manipulated as a society. We are fed rhetoric. I, 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 you know, Plato has a brilliant line in one of his arguments that Socrates is giving. And it's the fact that, uh, he said that, who are you going to go with? Are you going to go with the doctor who had years of medical training that knows all the specific doctoral things, or are you going to go with the guy who's never been to medical school, but can tell you and speak like he's a doctor you're going to go with the guy who is spewing the rhetoric doctor, a doctor that tells you, I'm going to help you. I'm going to do this and that, and this and that, you know, is, is, you know, you're going to go with him more than the actual doctor. And that's what we do. And there's reasons to that. And I, I won't go into a rant about it, but to stay on point, we are, highly manipulated. People know this. It's actually a philosophical slash psychological concept that we are looking for a father figure. So we attach ourselves to certain leaders with certain character traits. I have read Mein Kampf. I'm in the middle of Ford's book. I've read Gandhi. I've read, um, you know, a Palestinian uh, pamphlet book. I've read How to Defend Israel. All these things speaking to how we can easily manipulate people Hitler in his book goes through four five six long pages of how to manipulate someone giving you the exact technique and then literally a couple pages later he does it and you see the same traits and and constructs so the point is who are you where is it coming from who are you where's the where's the my point is Where's the information coming from? Is it coming from information that you decided to take, think about and implement into your morals? Or are you doing it because so-and-so told you to? Um, you, you know, it, it probably can get controversial right now in a sense of who to listen to. Right. Um, but when you become an adult, it is your job to take the information. Gandhi says it best. you can only make the informa- You can only make the decisions with the information that you have at that moment. So you can never stop gathering information to decide who you are. You can have direction and projection. But we project a lot of our anxieties and feels and feelings onto others because we, in essence, don't know who we are. And we're terrified and scared. That was a lot and deep, and I apologize for doing it to you, but... Um, I, might have to, I
0: might have to watch that and listen to that over. with we'll takes take some minutes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I love it. I love it's it. Come a, it's come from. It's come from a fully, lot of. Can I fully internalize all that right now? No. um It's come from a so lot of stuff.
1: Right? I've read. I've read of. and discussed and had many. You know, and it's come from a lot of different sources.
0: Yeah, for sure. No. For sure. And I wanted to ask you. I'm curious. Do you feel like being a psychotherapist blends helps you
1: be an you know be an athlete? That's an interesting question. Um, yes and no. You know, a, a psychologist's job is to analyze and see patterns. Um, I, I think it's you know it's always very hard to see it in yourself. You always need others to help. I don't like to use the word help. Assist. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I would say so. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because in sports you can, you know, the, the mind can destroy your performance. Mm-hmm. So to get your mind ready to get, to understand what's happening. Um, but also on the flip side, you can over, overthink things, overdo things, over analyze things. So, um, uh, it, like anything, I think there's a balance. I'm, I'm not really an I, I, as much as an extremist, I am, I try not to be an extremist, <laughs> you but know, hard. um, uh, uh, I, I don't like extremism, real extremism. Um, that's what I believe. Uh, I learned that in Um yeah. But uh, but yeah. So I, I I think I think yes and no.
0: Regarding the the topic of like balance, and you said like yeah. um, you know it, like like anything balance is important, and I feel like that's one of the biggest lines of our day is like you know trying to find that balance, or, and especially like athletes or trainers or coaches, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and I'm wondering your thoughts on that, because it seems like either people have problem find that balance, they either go one way or another, or it's thrown around so much that it's not taken seriously. Yes, yeah, but, it's, it, but it is the it's the number one thing that you one needs.
1: Yeah, it's hard to say what is balanced, and that's again comes back to who you are. You know, for you to question why did I walk past the homeless person and get very nervous and and, and run away. You know. There's a balance between saying, oh, go hang out with that homeless guy and just give him attention. Everyone always says that to me. You know, I I love, anyway, um, homeless people, I I try to give as much attention as I can. I'm not always good at it, but I try. But people always say, oh, what if they kill you? What if they attack you? Oh, they're just doing it for drugs. And they say, did you ask? (laughs) <laughs> have you ever seen a homeless guy do drugs? Have you ever heard from a homeless guy that they do drugs? No, 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 no. Where would that come from? Why do you get anxiety when you go past homeless person? you studies have shown because you project your feeling onto that homeless person that you could be that homeless person that you obviously life is fickle and you are exposed that you could be that person. So, you know, Oh, have you ever heard a story of a homeless guy t- telling someone to come into the back alley and killing them? I have not heard one story. Now, is it true? Is it not? If you would ask me, I've had many conversations with guys who say, yeah, you know, in, in these homeless shelters, there's needles laying around the floor. There's, you know, you step on a needle, <laughs> you know, it, it happens, you know, and, and whatnot. But you can't tell me that you know that where that information comes from. So the point is, there is a balance. There's always a red line. You know, there's always be yourself in Judaism. Obviously, don't break halacha. Someone asked me um, uh, a bobsledder who competes in the uh, Olympics. And he said, what do I do? Should I compete on Travis or not? It was, I said, well, you know, sister, right? Leba? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure. Um, Leba, B.D. Deutsch, and Essie Ackerman on this amazing panel, right, said, like didn't even come as a thought to them, nor did it does it come to me. But I, you know, uh, uh, you know, someone actually said, "Well, you just look the other way." You know, uh, <laughs> one of my coaches just look the other way. God will look the other way for that one day. I was like, obviously, you don't have the same relationship I do with with God. That's not how it works. But the the simple point is. Um, I said to him, "You said, what should I do?" Uh, and and I said, you know. You have to think about that. You know, I, I don't have the answer to you, oh, just don't compete. I said, you know, don't, don't, you know, there's there's a fine line, obviously, don't break halacha. But if you can go and compete, walk there, stay a hotel by there, walk there, compete there, not break any halachas, discuss with a rabbi, who am I to say that, that you know, maybe if you, compete and you win as a bobsledder with a yarmulke on, you have a platform to do Hashem's great things. Maybe you gave an opportunity to do something good. You know, maybe, uh, uh, you know, listen, you can't, you know, Tamir Goodman made his decision, but Tamir Goodman playing basketball in a obviously halachic way, maybe he wouldn't play on those days. He'll sit on the bench or something. But him being on the NCAA championship team with the yarmulke might have sparked all generation of Jews that, you know, would be proud of themselves and, and start doing things. Who knows? But that's the decision you have to make. He was shocked by that. Cause he thought I was going to say the same answer that everyone says, no, Shabbos, Shabbos, Shabbos. If it's important to you again, I would not ever say personally, if you ask me to break Shabbos, I would say, try to do it in the conference of Halacha. You know, But what's your decision? Is that your decision? Do you make the decision? So that's what I mean by balance in the sense that gather the information. Is that who are you? Are you the person that believes that this is your mission to be in the bobsled team and, you know, that relationship with Hashem is fine there? Or are you the person that says, no, Shabbos is who I am. Don't do that because that's what you think everyone else tells you to do. Do that because that's who you are. And that's your balance. That's your place. That's your. That's, that's the balance. The balance is who you are. The balance is creating a personality, a, a, a moral compass that you enjoy being around. Not that you find out. You know, you always have this pattern in life. Two years, five years. You know, someone gets a new job. Someone gets married. Someone has a kid. It's very exciting. The dopamine hits. It lasts, you know, Two three years, however long it lasts, and then they start to do something else. They got to find something else. I'm not saying that I'm. I, I, I very much I think follow this pattern as well, but that's because no one has a direction or a, or a goal. What's your goal? If I asked you right now, what's your goal? What's your goal in life? Like my one number one goal in terms of family, no. career, what? What I'm saying, I'm I'm asking you. When you die, by the way, a lot of people are uncomfortable with that, and I always I'm always down to discuss that but <laughs> I've had a, a interesting journey a, a book that changed my whole concept and and whatnot but when you die I'm good what, what what's 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 your goal you're on the deathbed or or more importantly is a meditation that says oh, you're like your last breath like I
0: would like I mean, let's say you're asking like what would you like people to say I like at my funeral like like what do I want them to say you know that I made a positive impact in their life where they because you know because of certain things that i've done in my life um, showing by example they lived a better life they were happier they were more you said, you,
1: said, you said a big word i but not your i what do what, what what would i be perceived to them what would i what would other people see me as it's a fascinating fascinating thing about our psyche please perceive me as a certain way we all do this, right? Mm-hmm. You don't tell everyone, come on, and say this is the right way to do things. Everyone comes on, myself included, and, I try, and I've tried to stop that recently. I don't know the right way of life, but I definitely know that you have to decide that right way. So it's, it's you now are subjugated to everyone's opinion. Yes, it's my goal to impact people and make meaning, and the best way to do that is to is to be, is to do good for others, yes, that makes me happy. It's a selfish thing. So me helping others and doing good is a selfish thing for me. It makes me happy. In essence, is it making them happy? Yeah, but the primary reason is because it's making me happy. It's a good thing to be selfish about. Mm-hmm. But that's why I'm doing it. Not because I want someone to see me that way so they come over and kiss my tochas and this and that, whatever. Because we're told what we want. And I'm still on that journey. I've realized I have to add a lot of other things. I realize I need more loving relationships. I need to have more connection with people to discover more of what makes people happy and click and whatnot. But it's a fascinating thing that we all do. We want to die with a memoir of ourselves, with something named after ourselves, so other people perceive us. Who cares? <laughs> like, that is. That is. Who the hell cares. Um, this
0: whole this whole thing is worth it just to learn like that. Like that is so powerful, and it's something that I definitely have to think about, think over.
1: And, and, that's the point. and that's the point by the way that's not the answer you have to go through the journey that's right. to help you in a sense of you know now you have to go figure no, it out of course that's what,
0: that's what I'm saying but I think it's also powerful. of what you said um like right uh I lost the train of thought for a second right. here but you said like we receive, we perceive like we want others to look at us yes like you know how 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 they perceive us right but then we kind of Forget the fact of like, wait, that's like you said, it's a good way to be selfish, but like,
1: what's it all for? And Well, doing good, by the way, sorry, doing good, not just to be perceived, doing, doing good for others, that happiness is making an impact in the world, right? an impact in the world is making making meaning. The best way to do that is to impact, is to help and impact others, to make a difference in other people's lives. So that is the most selfish thing because it makes you happy. Right. Sorry.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. No. It's just interesting when you act, like ask like, "What's your goal?" Yeah. That's a selfish thing to begin with. Like, what's your
1: goal in a way? Like, what do you want to accomplish? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean. Well, you're saying you're saying, yeah, you're starting with I, right, but but isn't isn't that what life is about? Aren't we? An essence of you of energy that is ourselves, so that we perceive. Right, right. So then,
0: so So, then, what's your goal? My goal. Oh, so it's interesting here. So what's your goal? Okay, here's my goal. I want people to say this about me. That's where,
1: like, okay, sick, yeah. That becomes that becomes a goal. Listen, I'll, I'll raise my hand again and I'll say, I don't like attention. You kidding me? course i do i went on tv (laughs) there's some aspect obviously um but the reason of the the the, the tad difference is that i'm actually i feel for myself i'm trying to implement a different understanding and real change in this conversation i'm trying to get someone to think about themselves in a different way and when you say that about you know goal becomes all about other people what that means is if you don't have that i aspect is you open yourself up for others to take advantage, for others to influence you, manipulate you, impact you. It starts when, you know, unfortunately as kids, um, but, you know, Freud missed it a little bit when it also, I mean, he probably also agrees with this, but also continues very much into adulthood. We don't have a sense of identity. We don't have a sense of what we want. Not our goals, but how would we make decisions do we listen to the news and hear all the terrible things that are said about Republicans or Democrats and just decide that that's what we're going to do? I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican, but did you come to it on your own understanding? We can make, you and I can make the same decision in life. Mm-hmm. But how do you take that decision? Way decisions? different. Yeah. And how you're making an I am because eventually your road is going to lead you down to a place of unhappiness and anxiety and as we have in America, the highest depression rate in, in in the world
0: in history ever.
1: Yeah, well, it's hard it's hard to quantify that because we don't have right have they, you know. back then, and that yeah. <laughs> so i i can't I can't imagine that when people lived to thirty and every, life was all about wars and diseases that there weren't anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it was horribly, good point. probably worse than it was now. Honestly, that's a good point here. They live in a state of fear constantly. You know, we, we obviously also do as we're being proven, but yeah. um, things are feeding that more. But yes, the point is, who, 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 who are you? And that's where I've been trying to, to really get people to start seeing wherever that journey comes for you.
0: So I'm getting a little bit more understanding of the, of the who are you, because I think all this stems from yeah. that question of who are you. And what I'm understanding is when we understand who we are, then we can understand like okay, why we make decisions, where that how right. we made that decision, right. okay, what how we're making this goal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it really just really comes down to our identity. Who are we? Right. It's really
1: coming back it, to that. It's the same thing in psychology, right? When you make a decision, right? Uh, let's take relationship and and uh, you know you pick someone, you pick someone, right? When a psychologist says, hey. You know, the, the 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 jokes, you know, with moms, and, you know, you're, you marry like your mom and your dad, you know, we all know this, that mm-hmm. there's, you know, attracted to certain people in our life and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And as a psychologist, you point that out. It gives you the information, the ability to say, oh, I'm making this decision because I was born this way. Racism and anti-Semitism, all these things. Oh, my parents gave me during my NFL summit. They hit upon this, the last summit. Uh, the last panel. Oh, my parents gave me this information, so that's why I think this way. Or I was born in this environment, and that's why I think this way. Once you open that up, and you realize, oh, that's I'm making that decision because that's what I'm comfortable with and used to, then now you can make your own decision. However, let's play real, you know, change a real concepts where that's not where it ends. You still have to Overcome the information that you're known psychologically, emotionally, you still have to make daily decisions to get the information and and continue to make and and, and do things to make yourself make the better decisions. Decisions. Wellness is not one thing. You don't get the oils, the essential oils, and smell it and go. I'm ready. You know, everyone in, 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 around the world, you know, the one big thing, the one big purchase, you know, I'm going to start doing yoga. Yeah, I'm going to change my life. I'm going to start drinking tea. i going to change my life. i going to start meditating. It, it's all of these things. Um, listening to classical music lowers your blood pressure by 30%. I, you know, I have the essential oil mister thing going on. I drink tea. I do yoga. I meditate every day. I daven, obviously every day <laughs> I uh I have things on my wall every day I you know try to uh, do certain things that make me happier every day smile at people it's so many things and it's a lot of hard work and people rather just you know yeah well, it goes back
0: to my question of you know how you made the decisions to, to be above normal above average and I think that's you answered it so well right here is like bringing these triggers into your life doing these things that's what will breed those results
1: it's not and, and, one thing yeah and i want to and i want to point this out and, and, and i don't know how much time you have but but you we can continue you know um, i want to point this out it's a really p- a powerful thing a meditator was once saying i was meditating and um, he said you know what he goes enlightenment you know he's a british guy he said, everyone's happy all the time everything's good we're enlightened like, no. (laughs) He said, that's not physically what's happening. Your neurons are firing a certain way where you're sad. You're angry. You have emotions. That's not the human condition to be happy all the time. That is not what life is about. And people miss that. People want to. They say, oh, you know, people want to feel happy all the time. People don't want to feel uncomfortable. And they really miss the boat when you can be comfortable in an uncomfortable situation. You can be in a cold bath or cold shower while breathing a certain way and thinking a certain way and all of a sudden start to feel the water kind of feel warm. Mm-hmm. It feels warm. I can be running in my race and feel immense pain where I usually stop and vomit and break down and lose 30-40 seconds where I'm starting to talk with Hashem and do all these things and realize I go, am I caught? am I in pain right now? Huh? <laughs> you know, you start to, you start, you know, I was meditating and, and you know, uh, uh, the, on top of my eyebrow started to, um, clench up and started to be very, very painful. And I started to do all the, all the meditative things, breathe into it, relax around it, things, think, think certain things, certain breathing. And all of a sudden the meditator goes, accept whatever pain you're in right now. Invite it in. See the pain as a person. He knocks on your door. See, see pain or anger or whatever the emotion you want. Knocks on the door. And now starts knocking harder and harder. And starts banging on the door. just trying to break down the door. And you're holding the door, trying to push back. He said, let it in. Invite, invite the pain in. He said, welcome it. Bring it even into your, into your living room. Further and further into your consciousness, into your body. Here, let me get you some tea. Nurture the pain. Now the pain doesn't want to be aggressive anymore. Invite a shower. Invite. Right? Have a bed. Be be there. Nurture. Care for the pain. And all of a sudden, the pain. This person is not angry at you anymore. It's painful. He's in your now. He's even deeper into your subconscious, to your brain, your body, into your shower, into you giving your, you're giving the pain, your food and your, and your attention, but now he's not bothering you. Now he's not hurting you. He's just there. And so that's what happened. I was able to move on in the meditation. I was able to have the pain and go, I was so focused on the pain when I was in pain. And when I went, okay, welcome. That's fine. You're allowed to be pain. I was able to move on in the meditation and that's what happens we let this pain hunker us down we see pain as a bad thing and right now i could be anxiety-ridden sad and whatnot but i'm going to feel happy and good and that's what constantly happens for me i go through the waves of sadness i get depressed i get sad i get happy but there is a constant feel good mission life i do feel like you know, whatever that word of happiness is for me, I feel successful and fulfilled into what my life is on a constant, um, normal basis, and that's a lot of hard work. So I don't want to say that I'm perfect and I'm happy all the time. Hell no, but even in those moments, it's it's uh, you know, it's it's. Well, I think kind
0: of I think you could say even those in those moment, moments, it's you know, a little bit more comfortable and you, because you believe in the concept of bringing in, you know, the uncomfort and being right. a bit You're comfortable. Accepted. Yeah. Accepted and being a bit more comfortable in the, with the uncomfort and that becomes a part of you and that's okay. It's
1: you know? the phrase that my Rebbe said, you know, you know, it's weird and bizarre that you get, when you give up all control to a Hashem, that is when you actually gain control, and that's a weird thing for people to comprehend, but it's an easy thing for you to feel when you feel it, because you because we all say no no Hashem's in control Hashem's in control, but we all really don't feel it. We would never take our hands off of the steering wheel if Hashem told us. Because
0: we to. never actually gave
1: him control. Is that what you're saying? Correct. Because we don't. Essence. We believe we, uh, You have to, when you give Hashem all the control. You are in control, which means you're you are. Com- no one would take their hands off the steering wheel. In you know, the song, you know, give God with the wheel. No one in their might in the right minds would do that. But giving control to Hashem, being happy, being comfortable is saying, in essence, taking your hands off the wheel. And once you do that, weirdly enough, is when you gain all control, which doesn't logically make sense in our brain because we go, no, the car is out of control, but you are you are in control because. You don't have control. It's a very hard thing to understand, but it is very simple once you do it. Right. And you have to constantly do that every day.
0: Right, right. That's when it comes to the consistency. So I have a number of questions. Do it. And I, you know, I love talking to you. We can definitely do a sequel. That I, sure. you know, I'm allowed to say I am learning a tremendous amount. I'm being am trying to be a sponge right. here. This my is my
1: motto talking. is wherever I can give it to you, it make an impact, I'm there. So... Yeah. I try to bring as Amazing. much. Amazing! I can't wait to. Um, I can.
0: Yeah, I can't wait to have people listen because there's so much good okay. here. But I want to know. Yes. A couple, oh. Like a couple of okay. questions, and you know, these days people's uh attention spans, you know, aren't you know too good. So we don't want to, you know, you know, make it too long. But Oh those
1: podcasts. One. Podcasts are so long. Like Joe Rogan was like two and a half hours. I'm like, who the hell is listening to that?
0: But it's interesting because Joe Rogan has the number one podcast in the world.
1: I, that's my point. I, it's I like backwards. Ten percent uh, 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 happier and all these and all uh, um, uh, 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 Malcolm Gladwell's podcasts—they're all it's so long, and yet I listen to them. I mean, right. in workout style. So, right. Anymore. Anyway, so go you ahead ask the questions. I'll go short. Sorry. Yeah. I'll for short Listen, one day we'll, we'll be we'll be that
0: big, and people will have the attention span for us. Just like them, but here we go. So, I wonder if you encourage your clients to get into health and fitness to a certain level.
1: Uh, only when they express it or when they're ready. I, you know, very much believe in meet the client where they're at. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I don't like to say client. Um, patient. I actually was the, the verbiage of patient is actually a positive than client, which is perceived negative. But the uh, uh, patient. The I, I'll never for the patient has control. You're the person that it's not only is it your life and what the hell do I know type of mentality, but the patient is the one who has done this before. Who's powerful. Who's who's, if you look into their life has made the same decisions just on different levels. And in these moments are missing certain um, resources or understandings or patterns. So only when the patient or the person is ready uh, and expresses that they would like to do that. And, and I will very carefully make sure to go through it with them and get to what they want, not what I would recommend.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's, thanks yeah. for saying that because I can learn from that as well. I wonder what your nutrition is like now.
1: Right now? Um, well, my, my favorite nutrition pattern is I give myself 10 foods. And I'm allowed to eat as much food of that as I want. So yogurt, nuts, eggs, unlimited, go for it. Whatever you put on that list, you can eat as much as you want of that. You can eat as much yogurt as you want, Mm -hmm. but that stops you from eating the chips and everything. So when you get hungry, you go, oh, I can eat as much yogurt as I want. So you go and eat that. Obviously try to put those 10 foods to where there's nutrition, to where there's things, but just Mm -hmm. from a mental cognition point, um, it helps also with self-control. I do like intermittent fasting. Not crazy. Don't go crazy with it. But there's a lot of science right now and a lot of evidence that controlled eating um, is beneficial. Cool. Controlled time period of eating is beneficial. And what, what, when you say yogurt, is it like just any yogurt? or? It used to be like, the you know, good yogurt for me. I just, I stopped. I was like, you know, the sugars are going to kill me, really. Like, I just want, and you have to make food fun. Um, uh, the top Spartan racer, Lindsay Webster, um, had a great point. She said, "You want to create a diet that you're going to eat when you're 80." She's a, the fittest woman you'll ever see. I'm serious. She's like a badass, and she uh, um, eats a slice of carrot cake at the end of every day. She yeah. be normal. Don't don't be so crazy. You know, don't be extreme.
0: But also um, with athletes like sparring athletes, yourself, her, etc. You guys are also. Burning an extreme amount of calories, yeah. If your body is working on overdrive at all times. Yeah,
1: yeah. That, yeah. Definitely,
0: that definitely helps. <laughs>
1: that, that's why I like intermittent fasting if, as for an athlete because it gives you the freedom, honestly, to eat whatever you want. Like that's the point in intermittent fasting from one to nine p.m. You, you know, you get you feeders your, your body whatever it needs.
0: Right.
1: If that's candy, if that's whatever, if you're in that training stage, that's why I do definitely like it for training because. Right. And and everyone always is like, oh, you don't have fuel for workouts. I've had my best workouts, you know, fasting. seven a.m. on an empty stomach.
0: Right?
1: Yeah. Training
0: um, fasting, tra- training fasting is. They say there's a lot of benefits to that. People have energy on that. You
1: know? Yeah, it, it's it's an ancient kind of thing. If pe- people don't realize, like you know, um, you know, Asia and stuff like that, it's very implemented. It's very it's very normal because if you think about it, there wasn't access to food constantly. Mm-hmm. Biologically, there was only access to food a certain amount of times. You know, uh, you'd go out in the morning to, to get food, or what? You know, you didn't have it all the time. So there's really only periods where you would be able to have access. Right. to Right.
0: Do you have a routine before you race to get fired up?
1: Um, it's a good question. You know, it's funny. I I, I did have I I did. I vomited before one race once because I guess, <laughs> you know, it was weird. It was this uh, Jewish National Series where I was competing with all the top guys. Mm-hmm. And I was fine. I was like feeling good. And I just get to the bathroom, the the porta potty and I just go in and I just vomit. And I'm like, am I nervous right now? Because <laughs> um, the point is I try to keep it very light. Um, I, I try not. I, I, I tell people, stop pretending you're the athlete. Start acting like one. Everyone has these big lofty goals and I'm going to do this and get all serious and tense because that's what they think athletes do. The Real athletes don't care. They do what's good for them in the moment, whether you want to get intense or not. And I, by the way, I will say that with all the stuff that we've been saying, start making your decisions in the moment. Everyone stop making decisions beforehand. My routine, what I'm going to do before. When you get to the starting line before, see how you go. What, what what's good for you in that moment? You have a gut. You have a feeling. You have a logic. Do it. But I have a question on
0: that because you were speaking earlier about the mindset preparation and the preparation beforehand. Prepare
1: your mind. Gather the info. Do the homework. But make the decision in the moment. Mm-hmm. Still allow yourself to be and experience that experience. You you don't. You, yes, you're presetting yourself, and yes, you are gathering the information i don't i don't mean i don't mean don't you know what school should we send our kids to don't just show up to the school to the school and say okay this kid no go back and see which school is best or whatnot and then when you have the information then make the decision
0: mm-hmm. the so million dollar mile right yes firstly what was it like being in the bright lights That's what's yeah. first. and second how did that podium so to speak field versus the sparring podium
1: it's quite interesting uh, it wasn't actually even that win. it was uh, when in tryouts we ran a course and the um, I was in my in my section of my group it was the first time just these incredible incredible athletes from all different backgrounds you women that were bigger and stronger than me guys that were just Army ripped, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" And I beat all of them. And it was just in that moment, like, just like, with my yarmulke on, and I was just like, "No one would have thought I would have done this if you put money on me beforehand." It just statistically isn't there, and that was way more important for me. However, and when I won Spartan, it was pretty. It was pretty exciting because a lot of people in Spartan you know, they're they're these incredible strong fit athletes in the regular world. So for them to see a Yamako, they all said those weird <laughs> <laughs> Also you came in fourth place. Well, no, so, so I finally um I, I got uh, I got two podium spots. This guy this guy right here.
0: Right, right, but I'm saying you got it, but, but I'm saying fourth After. place you
1: you you experienced that. <laughs> yeah. My friends um my friends bought me uh fourth place medals. that's amazing because I kept coming in fourth place and so finally I got this medal to basically get rid of that medal yeah
0: amen um okay thanks for sharing I know that there's Spartan you're in in Florida right I'm in Miami yeah you're in Florida so firstly when's the next Spartan you're doing I know
1: there's one in Jacksonville in February um this upcoming February yeah right Right. they're gonna well they canceled all Spartan races um this year, we right. we're supposed to, we, um, I take kids with physical challenges through a Spartan race. Um, so we were supposed to do it in October, but that got canceled. Right, so I saw
0: that there's one coming up February uh,
1: in Florida. Right. But we're, we're not even naming for that. Basically these kids have been training for a while now and I was just like, forget it. We have to do it right now during COVID. Um, and we're taking so, so many precautions, but we're going to have the 10 kids from high lifeline run through the race August thirtieth, we're mimicking creating an exact race from with the gym that I'm friends with.
0: Wow. Um,
1: we're gonna we're gonna make sure those kids get through because I just have I had enough like waiting for the next part. Yeah,
0: that's epic.
1: Let's go, awesome. let's go, let's show people that these kids are we have Brady who's blind. Um, you know, Ari Cohen was supposed to live past his first birthday, A bunch of awesome bass yakov girls running, so it's it's uh you know so
0: fun. That's so powerful.
1: Um because yeah. I was looking
0: at this on the west, because that's where I live, uh, Vegas and Arizona have in February and March. Smart
1: racing, you, you, you yeah. ready? You, you coming
0: after me? A, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say I'm coming after you, but you never know, after these races, I might I get the bug.
1: But you uh, I, to watch watch it. You
0: know, I once did a Tough mutter, and obviously it's very different. Um, yes. I, I understand, I understand, I know, I know. Uh, but I, I do love obstacle uh, Courses. Uh, I did a couple, and I've always I've always wanted to do a smart race. So someone actually sent me um, a, a month ago, like the schedule. Um, so I saw in, in, in February and March, I have on the oh, West
1: over there. Yeah, but in LA, they have January, I think, don't they? Oh, yeah? So I got a... There's a Cali race. That's always the, uh, the starter of, of the race. Um, That's That's uh, yeah, you're so so. I, I qualify for elite. Um, so I'm, I run in the elite division, but the age group divisions are crazy. How old are you? I'm uh, 24. Oh, uh oh. No, but you're going to be put in the 25 to 29 because your birthday probably is going to be. Yeah, my my birthday is going to be November. Yeah, yeah. So you're going to be 25, 29. That group is so freaking fast.
0: For sure. That makes a lot of
1: what, what? How? How? What's your fastest uh, three miles? What no,
0: so fast? I I never like trained for something like that. So it's going to be a whole new experience for me. So and I'm going to see like how. Yeah. How much I'm going to train for this? What that? What? What? what I have to figure out how I'm going to go into it.
1: Like, like so, it's so. It's so it's so it's a combination of. Um, you definitely have to be fast, but okay. if you don't have that natural ability, you're still okay. Um, I would I would practice on heart rate elevation. So work on a, a pace that you're comfortable with. So the the thing with Spartan is that you could run a pace, run run regularly running, and mm-hmm. your heart rate will rest at like a one seventy, let's say, mm-hmm. and. The issue is, though, and that becomes comfortable, and then you can sit on that pace. You want to push a pace, go higher, but it sits. The problem with Spartan racing is that you're going to run, you know, a seven- or eight-minute mile. I mean, the elites run five or six, really. Um, And then you're going to hit a heavy carry of a bucket of 100 pounds, and you're going to have to run with it, or a tire flip, or a wall. And now your heart rate just will spike to a 185, 195 is usually where it sits because it's spiking so much. And then you have to work on controlling your heart rate and also recovering. So it's also about once you get on an obstacle, once you come off that obstacle, how fast can you recover to get back to the speed that you want to be at? So if you're running a seven minute mile, you come into monkey bars, let's say you get off of monkey bars. How fast does it take you to get back to the six to the five, seven minute mile? Because if it takes you 30 seconds to recover, to get back to that, You've just lost 30 seconds more, which is a ton of time. If it takes you 15 seconds to recover compared to the guy that takes five seconds to recover, you've lost 10 seconds. So it's very much about recovering, about getting through the obstacles efficiently. Train that about, heart rate. about training the heart rate. So my favorite, um, my favorite is a 400-meter sprint, 7-minute uh, seven, seven mile on a treadmill. Then I'll go and do um, – Deadlift forty-five on each side, standing rows ten standing rows, uh, back rows, um, right. two monkey bars, thirty box 30, 50 box jumps, and then like a thirty-second rest because that's how long the treadmill takes, and then do that twelve times. That's three miles, twelve reps. Right,
0: 12 and that times. just plays with your heart rate to a yeah. extent that you know is exciting.
1: <laughs> it, it's it, it's it's quite it's quite painful and, and, yeah. I, and the first couple of times. I did it. I wasn't able to fully complete it.
0: Right. Um, no, I'm sure it takes some building up too. And yeah, I'm excited. I think Leba is gonna, you know, shoot for um, training for
1: this. Also, oh, are you run? She's right? a
0: runner. She's whatever she wants to be.
1: No, no, no. Has she has she run in the past? Has she competed?
0: She, I, I don't think she's ever competed
1: like this. This is something new for both of us.
0: Yeah. This type of competition. She could. She.
1: I. I, I got her into, it, but she. She can totally. If she trains for Spartan, crush it because she's so, so strong yeah, and so strong. Mm-hmm. that she gets the the running down. Again, my biggest flaw in Spartan is my running.
0: Okay.
1: And, uh, my my running is you know horrendous compared to these guys, and I've gotten better at it. Mm-hmm. But Vijay Jones will lay down a 5:30 while I'm running a 6:37 on terrain, by the way, mind you. That's terrain. That's not that's not cement. That's so you know up mountains down mountains and stuff like that so um you have a you have a good chance because you're fit and you probably would like that but the transitioning the heart rate um the fitness to be able to endure it's very big even in three miles it's very big endurance because the, all the three mile races are on sunday so get used to that mm-hmm. and the three mile races are tough because you red line you have to push so your heart rate goes to 200 you max out your heart rate from the
0: beginning. Right. Well, I'm excited to uh, be a little bit more in touch with you regarding the training for this. Sure. Uh, I might, I might really call cool. upon you uh, to tell me
1: out just a bit. Um, hey, I'm you, looking forward. You, you Libra and I voice note all the time. Okay, awesome. I just made two long ones. Okay, awesome. That's that's yeah. that's
0: exciting. No, I'm excited about that. I didn't know you guys were super in touch about that. So that's exciting. Yeah. And um, thank you so much for sharing so much. Like, I mean, big part of personally like this still recording i'll put this out there a big part of why i'm doing this is because i want to learn i want to grow and i want to gain from others
1: i love my podcast choosing sports because i have learned so much like i'm serious like like if i could just be a psychologist do this podcast show and my foundation for the rest of my life i I just i'll be so happy so like, amazing we got so, but, you know we got to, uh got turned into uh, so, some money a little bit you know with the but 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 for right now I'm just so so happy uh because when you talk to the to especially athletes who have such great perspectives my, my podcast is just athletes just these people are so inspiring and incredible so I really enjoy it I, I know I know what you're talking about you sit there and you hear the you know israeli golfer you know uh who qualified for the Olympics going yeah I don't belong there I go what yeah yeah and I start there I'm just like oh, I I don't know what I'm doing here I'm, I'm like you qualified you belong there and it's the same thoughts that I go through when I'm on Spartan headline and I'm with my Yamaka and I'm going like people look at me thinking I don't belong here you know like and you say that to yourself and she's an elite elite athlete having the same thoughts you and I are having and so It's fantastic to to hear that and learn that from
0: people. Yes, exactly. Exactly my thoughts. So thank you so much, Michael. Really appreciate it. And I can't wait for this to uh, head out there to the world and hopefully a lot of people are able to listen and learn from you. All right? Thank you so much for listening to the Living Intentionally podcast. Again, if you enjoyed, leave us a follow, give a share to a friend and as well, leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I also have a group on Facebook for Jewish men. It goes by FitYid Academy Health and Fitness Community. As well, you can follow me on Instagram, at the TheFitYid. On Facebook and LinkedIn, it's Chaim Loeb, C-H-A-I-M-L-O-E-B. I'm looking forward to talking with you, interacting, and getting to know you. Please reach out. I would love to talk to you. Have a great rest of your day.